Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. I hope everyone had, if anyone had a break, I hope everyone had a nice break. I had a nice break from not teaching Sidur class for a few weeks, but I'm glad to be back. And I said we were going to move, we'd finish the Amidah and we're going to move on to Tachnun, but I lied. We're going to linger on the Amidah one more time. There's a long passage in the Talmud about why the order of the 19 blessings is what it is. Um, when we talked about the Amidah, I, I decided to not do that passage. It's kind of a long Talmudic shaggy dog story. You'll see what I mean. Um, but then it was actually on the daily daf of Talmud in the daf Yomi cycle a week ago. So I thought, okay, that's a sign that we should do it. Um, uh, for those who are listening to the podcast later on your exercise machine, without a visual, this will be difficult, uh, challenging, because we're going to look at text together. And I will include the text uh, with the podcast. Bert, our podcast master, has a way of doing that. So I'll send that to him. But if you're just trying to, you know, do it on your, on the track or something without looking at it, it will be harder to follow. Sorry. So we talked about the order of blessings in the Amidah, and we tried to figure out, you know, some sort of logical order that made sense um, as we went along. And what the Talmud does is going to do is we'll see that Um, they know what the order of 19 blessings is, and they try to make sense of that, meaning this is not an a priori, let's plan the Amidah and talk about how to organize it discussion. Rather, it is an ex post facto. Here is the order of the Amidah. Let's try to understand why it is what it is. Um, This is in Tractate Megillah just to set the scene, which is the tractate in the Talmud about Purim and the reading of the Megillah. Um, and the Mishnah says that um, you have to, be, because it's a obligation to hear the entire Megillah, that you have to hear it in order, right, to fulfill your obligation. Meaning if you heard chapter six through the end in one minion, and then you walk to another minion and heard one through five, you have not fulfilled your obligation. It has to be in order. Then the Talmud brings, in its associative way, a baraita, which means a source contemporary to the Mishnah, but that did not get included in the Mishnah, a Tanaitic source, which says also um, Shema and Hallel and the Amida to fulfill your obligation, you have to say them in order, in the correct order. Remember, people did not have texts in front of them. Right. There was no printing. Manuscripts were expensive. Uh, lots of people didn't know the davening. This is why the Chazan said everything aloud and people listened and said Amen. Some people might have known it. So we're talking about, let's say, saying all of Hallel by heart and can understand how you might have davened Hallel and realize, oh, I forgot one of the paragraphs and then go back and say it. And the Baraita says, no, can't do it that way. So uh, people who come late to Hallel, like me, for example, always, what that means is I can't walk in, the Kahal is in the middle of 
singing Yevarech et Be Israel, I quickly say the bracha, join the kahal, then go back when they're done and say the two or three psalms that I missed. Can't do that, right? Hallel, Shema, and the Amidah need to be said in order. So you said 18 blessings of the Amidah. You realize you forgot one of them. I'm just going to go back and add it now. You can't do that. They have to be done in order. That's what the that's the setting of this passage. Okay, that's just the halachic rule. So we're not going to have a discussion about whether or not you're in favor of the halachic rule. I'm just telling you that's the halachic rule. Okay, so to fulfill your halachic obligation for these things, hearing the Megillah, the three paragraphs of the Shema, Hallel, and the Amidah, you have to fulfill your obligation correctly. You have to say them in order, start to finish. And if you say all of it, but out of order, it doesn't count. Right? Remember in Shema, appears twice. So it'd be really easy to jump from the first paragraph to the third paragraph and then say, oh, I forgot the second paragraph. I got to go back and say, Vayayim Shamoa. Can't do that. It's wrong. You have to go back to the beginning and do it all. Uh, well, you don't have to go back to the beginning and do it all in order. You'd actually have to go back to the second paragraph and then say the second and the third paragraph. Okay, Joanna's raising her hand, has a question already. Go ahead, Joanna. So it's just this fascinating. Is, Joanna, this is just, a, this is just a preamble I'm trying to get through, but go ahead. It, I don't know. It's fascinating to me, this, in light of the fact that the paragraphs of Shema are not in sequential order in terms of like the order of their appearance in Torah. Correct. But yet, as a fixed liturgy, correct. we have to say them in that order, correct. not the, in their the sages are saying, order. Correct. The sages are saying this is a fixed liturgy, certain fixed liturgies that you have uh, uh, an obligation to say, um, you must say them in their correct order and not the um, the rabbinic word in the Talmud is Liserugin or biserugin, which in modern Hebrew would sort of mean responsively, but that they use it to mean out of order. Okay, now I'm going to screen share. Let's see. Hold on. I'm going to give me a moment. I'm going to get the thing. So Safaria, you can do this at home, but I'm going to send it to Bert to post. Uh, go to go to Safaria. Go to Talmud. Go to Megillah. Page seventeen. B. All right. Now I'm going to attempt to screen share, which by now I should know how to do. Here we are. Everyone got it? Okay. I can't see all of you anymore because um, of the size of screen. So what that means is if you have a question, I won't see your hand up. Uh, just like interrupt. Okay. Someone nod that you see that. Okay, good. Oh, Tfila Minalan. Tfilah here doesn't mean prayer in general. It means the Amida, right? The Amida, the Talmud says, this is now the Talmud. This is not the Baraita anymore. So the Baraita, the Tanaitic are said, Shema and Hallel and the Amida, you have to say in order. Um, by the way, then the Talmud has a discussion. Why do you have to say the Shema in order? Why do you have to say the Hallel in order? Joanna's question. And now it gets to, why do we have to say the Amida in order? Ditanya, as it says in another Baraita, again, Tanaitic source, meaning from the first or second century, um, but didn't make it into the official Mishnah, but it's contemporary to the Mishnah, contemporaneous to the Mishnah's era. Ditanya, as it says in a Baraita, 
Shimon HaPakoli, uh, debate about what Pakoli means. Is it his place? Is it his, uh, is it his uh, occupation? So Simon, right? He arranged the 18 blessings of the Amida before Rabban Gamliel, who was the Nasi, the head of the court, in Yavne. So this is Rabban Gamliel II. If you remember your New Testament, there's a mention of Gamliel and the sages. That's Rabban Gamliel I, who is Hillel's son in the time of Jesus. This is Rabban Gamliel II, who is about the year 100-ish. He's, uh, in general, in the Talmud, when they say Rabban Gamliel, they mean Rabban Gamliel II. He was like the big Rabban Gamliel. Okay, um, so this is post-destruction of the temple. Shimon HaPakoli arranged the 18 blessings um, before Rabban Gamliel, meaning the head of the court accepted that this was the order of 18 blessings. Amar Rabbi Yochanan, later stay a sage in Eretz Yisrael about the year 270 or 280, but some people say that it says this in a Braita, right? So it could be said by an Amora or by a Tana. Talmud isn't sure who said it. No, actually, 120 elders, including some prophets, arranged the 18 Brachot, meaning it was not Shimon Hafakoli in Yavne in the year 100, but it was much earlier, hundreds of years earlier. Um, and uh, then later on, there's an argument about which is it, and the answer is, just so you know, so you're not sitting on the edge of your seat, that it was arranged by the um, sages and the prophets hundreds of years earlier, but it was forgotten, and so Shimon HaPakoli re-standardized what the 18 brachot were, which then, of course, became 19. So that's how the Talmud reconciles those two statements. Now we get to the Baraita, which talks about, now they cite another Baraita, um, about the order. So again, this Baraita, which means it's maybe from the, let's just say, second century-ish, accepts that the order is the order, meaning this Baraita already knows the order. It is not seeking to establish an order. It is just ex post facto saying, hey, why is this the order? And it looks at various verses in the Bible as supports, the technical term in the Talmud is asmachta, the support from the word somech for v- various things in the order. Here's where we get into what I call a Talmudic shaggy dog story. Okay. Minayim shomrim avot. How do you know that we say avot first? Right? Shene amar havu Hashem b'nei elim. Psalm 29 starts, b'nei elim which is going to start, means uh, ascribe to Hashem. Here, B'nai Elim is understood to mean, O mighty ones. Although in the Bible, in the Pshat, it probably means, O divine beings. So it's going to say, praise God, O mighty ones. Who are the mighty ones? Of course, the ancestors, Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. And how do you know that the second paragraph then is about God's power? Oz means might, right? So ascribe to Lord, O mighty ones. This refers to the ancestors, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Ascribe to God, God's might, power. This is the theme of the second bracha, Mechayeh HaMetim. 
right? Mashifa Ruach Marita Gashem, Mechayamitim, it's about God's power. Minayin Sha'omrim Kedushot. How do you know that the third bracha is Kedusha? Shnemar, Havula Shem, Kivahochimo, Hishach Havula Shem, Behadrat Kohodesh. Worship God in the gloriness of his holiness. It could mean in God's temple. Kodesh could mean the temple, or here it's taken to mean holiness, right? So that's why we have Kedusha. So the opening of Psalm 29, according to the Talmud, provides us for the order of the first three brachot. Then we'll see the Talmud leaves Psalm 29 and goes elsewhere for the rest of the brachot. Everyone with me? Any questions about that? If you have a question about that, just shout it out right now. How much of this is really what they believe to be like a sound explanation for the ordering? Or it feels to me more like they're trying to give us a mnemonic device to remember the order. Ah, okay. Um, It could be, except you'll see the rest of it is totally, that was a nice mnemonic. That would fit Joanna for the first three. You'll see the rest is totally not a mnemonic device. It's miscellaneous verses from all over that you would would not help you remember it. It would not help you as a mnemonic device. Um, it's clear they're doing it again after the fact. They're saying this is the order. And just as we said, hey, wh- why is this the order, right? We said that same question. Anyone looking at the Amida, especially the middle section, would say, oh my God, there are all these blessings acting, asking for things. Is there any rhyme or reason to it? So regardless of what the elders and the prophets thought was the order, regardless of what Shimon Hapakoli, which probably probably means the flax maker or flax dealer. So regardless what Shimon, the flax maker, or Rabban Gamliel thought was the reason for the order, the Baraita is trying to come up with reasons for the order. Okay. Umara Ulamar Bina Achare Kedusha. Okay, so the next blessing is Chonein Hadat. By the way, if you if you want, you can have your sidur open to the, uh, if you don't know the order by heart, you can have your sidur open to any weekday Amida and follow the order. So then we have Chochmah, right? Wisdom. Why does that come after Kedusha? As it says, two verses back to back in Isaiah, V'hikdishu et Kedosh Yaakov. I'm not going to read all the Hebrew from here on in because there's a lot of it. I'm going to stick to English, but I will do the key words in Hebrew, right? They sanctify the Holy One of Jacob, meaning God. It has the word Kadosh. And then the next verse is, and those who go astray will have Bina or discernment. Okay, so at the verse in Isaiah, Kedusha, the next verse is Bina. All right. Umara Ulamar Tshuva, Achar Bina. Why is the blessing for Tshuva right after the blessing for wisdom? As it says, also in Isaiah, but a different verse, Ulvavo Yavin, his heart, his heart will understand, Vishav, Virafalo, and then he will do Tshuva and be healed. Okay, so after discernment comes Tshuva. Ah, but it said, notice, Vishav, Virafalo, he will do Tshuva and then be healed which suggests that maybe after the blessing of tshuva, we should say what? Someone shout it out. Yeah, Rafua should come next, but it doesn't. Ihachi, the argument, now this is, now we're back in Aramaic, which means the um, Talmud, 
is our later Talmud is breaking in an Aramaic to interrupt the Baraita. Okay. The Baraita notice is in Hebrew and this is in Aramaic. So interruption. Hey, wait, wait, wait. If this is the verse, then we should say Rafua after Tshuva. Um, no, no, no. Answer. This doesn't make sense. Um, because it says, Vyashov El Hashem, you do tshuva, and then God is abundantly forgiving. Okay, so after tshuva comes slicha. Gemara says, You know what? Why are you relying on the order in those two verses? In that verse, you could have relied on the first thing, meaning Vishav Virafalo, right? So the Talmud is now arguing with, okay, you provided. Uh, you know, I raised a question from one proof text. Why don't you, well, why are you using this other proof text? Why does one trump the other? Answer, um, tiebreaker, hasoleach lechol God who forgives, harofe lechol tachaluaychi. This me, uh, right? Hagoel mishachat So this means, this verse means that geula, redemption and healing come after slicha. But wait, wait, wait. But it says, Vishav Virafalo. He will do tshuva and then get healing. Ah, that healing, that doesn't mean literal healing from illness. The fact that it's in the context of right after doing tshuva means it is metaphoric healing. What is metaphoric healing? It is forgiveness. So we have a Talmudic argument about which verse. So again, it's clear that the order is the order, and the Talmudic argument um, is trying to find out why the order is the order. See what I mean by shaggy dog story? Okay. Umara ulamar geula bashfi'it. Why is geula the seventh one? So at this point, the argumentation, we had first set of three was based on the order in Psalm 29. Then we have the next set of three is in based on various verses in Isaiah from here and there in Isaiah. And now we switch set again in terms of the um, method. And it's why is one the seventh? And why is this one the eighth? And why is this one the ninth? Rather than sequential, right? So why is Gula the seventh? Rava says because the people will be destined in the future to be redeemed in the future, meaning Mashiach is going to come in a Shemitah year, which we're in now. So maybe Mashiach could come this year. And if not this year, I guess seven years from now, um, citing another source from elsewhere. Hey, wait, wait, didn't you say in the sixth year, there will be Sounds, heavenly sounds heard. They're, they're citing another source, not from our, not from our section of Talmud. And in the seventh year, there will be wars. And after the seventh year, meaning the eighth year, then the Messiah will come, meaning Messiah's Geula is not going to come. I have a source about what's going to happen in the end times. And it says Mashiach is not going to come in the seventh year. Mashiach is going to come in the eighth year. In the seventh year, there's going to be the cosmic battle of Gog and Magog or something like that. The Gemara answers, remember, Rava is um, in Amora, right? So again, we're interrupting. Are we interrupting the Brita, or is this just a separate flow of argument? It's not clear. 
right? So the answer is, oh, the wars in the seventh year that's going to take place in the future time is actually the beginning of the Mashiach process. It's the beginning of the Geula process, the redemption. And that's why this redemption is the seventh bracha. Why is Rafua on the eighth day? You could have guessed this one from your Echad Miodea on Pesach, because on the eighth day we do Brit Milah. Brit Milah requires healing intrinsically afterwards. So that's why Rafua is the eighth blessing. See, Joanna, this is not this would not be a very helpful mnemonic to actually remember all this by heart. Umara Ulomar Birkat Hashanim why do we ask for sustenance, the blessing for a good economic year? On the ninth blessing, Amarabi Alexandri, right? Notice, good precedent for Jews being named something like, you know, Stephen or Andrew, right? Uh, here we have a rabbi, perfectly good rabbi in the Talmud, whose name is Alexander. The Jews liked Alexander in general. They use that name a lot. Keneged mafki Sharim, those who raise the prices of food. So there are people who raise the price of food on the ninth year of the Shemitah cycle. The seventh year, you couldn't plant anything. So the eighth year might or might not have been an abundant harvest. It's only in the eighth year when you can plant again. So in the ninth year, until the crops grow, the crop dealers who have money would jack up the prices in year nine. And there's a verse in Psalm which says, break the arm, smash the arm of the wicked. Okay. And David said this in the ninth Psalm. It's actually in the 10th Psalm. Let's not get into it. But David said this, smash the arms of the wicked, which means people who jack up prices on the ninth year. And David said it in the ninth Psalm. Now we go back, not to 789, but to a sequential argument. Why do we say the ingathering of the exiles blessing after um, the, the blessing for sustenance? Because it says um, a verse in Ezekiel, in the future time, there will be a flowering in abundance, meaning good farming economy for Ami Israel, my people Israel, says God, ki kervu lavo, because they are soon coming, right? So there's going to be abundance, and then Israel is going to come back to its land. So that's why we have the blessing for sustenance and abundance, followed by the blessing for the ingathering of the exiles. And kevan shenit gabtsu kaluyot, since, or now, once the exiles are ingathered, then there will be judgment against the wicked. Remember, the next bracha is about Hashem destroy the bad guys. Okay? Um, sorry. Kibbutz Galiot, the next one is Din, judgment. Okay? So, because it says, when you come back, Ashiva shoftayich kevarishona, I will restore your judges. Okay, so when the people come back, then the judges will be restored. Okay, once there's judges, then the bad guys will be torn down. All right, because the rest of this verse in Isaiah, or two verses later, this is Isaiah 126, 
See, I'm highlighting my, right? And this is two verses later, Isaiah, Isaiah 128. The bad guys will be destroyed. Next brachas for the righteous. Since the bad guys are destroyed, the good guys are elevated, right? As it says in Psalms, I will cut off the horns of the wicked, but the horns of the righteous will be exalted, right? Wicked torn down, righteous built up. And by the way, why are converts included in this bracha? Okay, from the verse in um, uh, Vayikra, right? 1932, there's a verse about honoring the elders. We would assume that's kind of the righteous. And then the next verse is about um, the laws of treating the, not mistreating the gear. And that's why the gear is included, uh, the convert is included in the blessing for the tzaddikim. And where will this happen? That the righteous will be elevated, of course, in... Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And since Jerusalem will be rebuilt, David will come, right? And here's the verse. They will come back and they will return to God and David will be there. And since David will be there, then will be rebuilding of the temple. When they will come out to my holy mountain and they will worship in my temple. Okay. By the way, um, uh, that that refers to Shema Koleinu, right? Temple is uh, Shomeat Tfilah, right? Because Tfilah takes place in the temple. So we're up to Shomeat Tfilah. We finished the middle section. We're up to the last three. Ritzay, uh, Hoda'ah, and Sim Shalom. Okay, so because there's prayer, there, there's going to be worship. As it says, I will accept their sacrifices. And once there is worship, then there's thanksgiving. As it says, the one who sacrifices offers a thanks offering. And why does Birkat Kohanim come next, right after that, after saying thank you? It says that then uh, in Vayikra, after the, in the passage which talks about the um, dedication of the Mishkan, it says... Aaron blessed the people, raised up his hands and blessed the people after he had done the sacrifice. And then the argument is, wait, is this before the sacrifice or after the sacrifice? And the answer is no, it's after he did the sacrifice. Okay, well, hold on. If Aaron blessed the people after the sacrifice, then maybe after Ritzay, which is about restoration of sacrifices, you should do Birkat Kohanim as opposed to us. We do Ritzay then Modim, Thanksgiving, and then Birkat Kohanim. So maybe that means if Aaron did the sacrifice and then did the blessing, maybe we should do priestly blessing right after Bracha number 17. No, because it says Zoveach Todah, right? He offers a Thanksgiving sacrifice. So he sacrifices a thank offering, right? So it'd be sacrificing 17 and then Thank you, 18, Ritzay, and then Modim. Same, the Gemara does the same thing it did before. Hey, you choose to say it's the, based on this order of verses. Why not argue on the other order of verses? What, what, what made you pick this sequence rather than that sequence? And the Gemara answers, well, it makes sense because 
sacrificing and gratitude are sort of the same thing. They're one matter. Okay. Then, why do we say Sim Shalom after Birkat Kohanim? Notice in this, um, that when we, we talked about the Amidah, we said historically Sim Shalom is probably an expansion of Birkat Kohanim. Notice in this discussion in the Talmud, conceptually, they seem to see Birkat Kohanim and Sim Shalom as two separate things. Okay, so why, why do we say Sim Shalom after the priestly blessing? Um, because it says in Numbers, where it gives the commandment to the Aaronites to bless the people, it says, Place my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. What is the bracha? The bracha that the Kadosh Baruch Hu blesses us is Shalom, as it says, Hashem Ozla Amo Hashem Yivarech et Amo Bashalom, which takes us back, Jana, Joanna, to where? Psalm? Uh, oh, to Psalm 29. The end. Right. So we had the proof text for the first three from the beginning of Psalm 29. And in a very neat kind of way, the Talmud brings in the last verse of Psalm 29, right? Again, at the end, to say, Bracha is Shalom. So after the priestly blessing, God's blessing is shalom. Um, by the way, this is what I told you is coming. Since 120 elders, including some prophets, organized the order, why did Shimon Hapakoli have to come around hundreds of years later and do it? Uh, they forgot the order and, um, and, they, uh, and they reestablished it. Just want to read another line, which is not formally part of this, the order. Which means from here on in, you may not add praises. This is assumed to mean I'm going to um, close my screen share right now. Um, this is assumed to mean, Talmud assumes to mean, and you can't add more blessings than this. Meaning you, you might say, hey, there are other blessings that I'd like to add in my Amida. No, beyond this, we do not uh, uh, um, add praises. It's a little bit ironic because the Amida is like so many praises and it seems a little arbitrary. So of course it is an ex post facto thing saying, this is the Amida, it's fixed. No one can say all of God's praises. This is the amount of praises that we say. You may not add to it. You want to add a 20th bracha because you think in the middle of the Amida and the Bakashot, there should be one other that the Shimon Hapakoli and Rabban Gamliel forgot to add that you consider to be completely essential. No, you can't do that. Okay, I'm going to take four minutes until 8.50 for a question and comment. So this is why I referred to it as a shaggy dog story because it's this Long, long, long drawn out thing. It's clear, you know, verses from here, verses from there. It's clear that this is an after the fact attempt to find some rhyme or reason for the order. Larry, then Joanna. I have a theological question. Okay. So this is halacha. Wh- what is halacha? What's the order? This? The meaning, order. In the- meaning you can't change the order. Is that what you mean by that? Tell me what you mean. And you can't, you, you couldn't. Um, uh, uh, yeah, change the order, or if you forgot, if you forgot a blessing, put it Correct. at the end. Correct. So, 
you don't have to answer this now. You can maybe guide me where or we can discuss another time. What's the consequence in this case of, like, for example, you said that uh, you come into the Hala late um, um, and then you join the Kahal and then you go back and you catch up. The answer, the short answer is you did not fully properly fulfill the mitzvah. That's the answer. It's just like if I didn't, you know, you're supposed to say Shema up to a particular time. If you didn't say it before that time, you should still say the Shema. For the Shema, by the way, it's explicit in the halacha. You receive the credit reward for saying the Shema, but you do not receive the credit for saying Shema on time. We gave you points. You don't get all the points, right? So, um, uh, the question is, you know, if you ask a posek, a religious decisor, which I am not, okay, I said the Amida out of order. Do I get some points or do I get zero points? I do not know what that posek would say. The posek would surely say, you know, it would be better for you to go back to where you, by the way, you don't have to go back to the beginning. You have to go back to where you went out of order and then complete it from there in general, for most of these things. It's not that you have to go back to the beginning. You have to go back to where you went astray and do it correctly from there on in. Um, but, you know, uh, there are certain things for which the punishment is stoning. This is not in that category. There are certain things for which the punishment is karate. Uh, you're cut off from your people. This is not in that category. It's just that you haven't fulfilled the mitzvah correctly. Joanna, then Alan. So... As we were studying the Amida, we discussed at various points about inserting your own tefillah, places where it's appropriate to insert your own tefillah. Yes. So if I'm understanding correctly from this, what you have to do if you're going to do that is figure out which bracha your words belong in and encapsulate them within that bracha without correct. adding a bracha of your own. Correct. Is that correct. the correct understanding? Correct. Meaning for each bracha, you say Baruch Hashem as is. Plus, one more thing, Joanna, just to, it's not in this passage, but in other stuff that we studied, you do that only in the middle 13 brachot, the bakashot, or in the Elohainetzor slot. The first three, halachically, the first three and the last three are in a different category. You're not supposed to change them, which is why, as a threading the needle, there are some people who want to be egalitarian, who add the imahot, but who still say in the first blessing, but they still say Baruch Hashem Magen Avraham. They don't say Magen Avraham Ufoked Sarah or Poked Avraham Ve'ezrat Sarah, right? Because there is a halacha that you don't change the Chatimot, the closing. So there are people who say Elohei Sarah, Elohei Rifal, Elohei Rechel, Elohei Le'ah, but they still say Baruch Hashem Magen Avraham, all right? Rabbi Rembaum's response some, uh, accepted by the rabbinical assembly, is that when you add the imahot, then you change it to Baruch HaTashem again, Avraham Ufoked Sarah, but not everyone accepts that because there are people who say, no, the halachic principle is for all 19 brachot, you may not change the chatima, which means the Baruch Ata Hashem closing formula. So let us say, Joanna, Birkat Hashanim, you want to you want to pray for a good job interview and a raise in your salary and the and good crops, right? And a good economy and a good stock market, right? You can add all that in Birkat Hashanim, 
but you still must say Baruch Hashem Mivarech Hashanim. You can't say Baruch Hashem who makes a good stock market Umivarech Hashanim. You're not allowed to change the Chatimah. Okay, so you insert in the paragraphs before the Baruch Hashem in the middle thirteen or Elohai Nitzur, but you can't add a twentieth bracha. Alan, in this discussion, sorry, sorry, I just want to say you can't add a twentieth bracha in in traditional halacha. If you say I am non-halachic and I do not accept the halacha as binding, then that's a different category. But I'm just saying in the traditional halachic system, Alan. Is there reference in the Talmud with respect to the 19th bracha that was added when respect to what we were going on here? And, uh, in, a, and in any case, and the follow-up to that is, why was it inserted in the place that it was? So we talked about that. If you, You'd have to go find it in the podcast. But we talked about which bracha and that it's a misconception that it's the bad guys about the heretics. The Talmud, there's a passage in Talmud that thinks it's about the heretics is the extra bracha. It turns out it is not the extra bracha, and it was the Babylonians who divided one bracha into two. And we know that because we have a version in the Cairo Geniza where the one bracha is not added into two, broken into two, and that is Bonei Yerushalayim and Matzmiach Karen Yeshua. Those are the two that were originally one. So I want to refer uh, you back to find that podcast where we talked about it and looked at those texts. Thank you. Uh, sure. Michael Lozier. Well, I just have a comment. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just really happy that we're not in Israel uh, and we're, and it's not the ninth year. So I don't have to go to the store and break the arm of uh, the guy who's ja- the, of the, the guy who's selling the produce. And now. The call it who's jacking up the prices. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. And on that note, let us go forth today and all be righteous, uh, not jack up the prices and not break anyone's arm. So uh, I believe next week we will go on. Is there anything? Let me just see if there's anything. I want to make, I haven't looked ahead. I want to ascertain there's nothing weird about next week. Nope. God willing. See you next week. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.